Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we're talking to the amazing, incredibly hilarious, Karen Burgreen. Hello, Woo! Karen. Hi, guys. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Thanks for coming on. I'm good. I'm enjoying the nice day inside. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. As happy usual. Spring. Yeah. Happy spring. So Karen, you've been doing comedy for um, a while. Could you tell us a bit about how you got started doing stand up sure. really comedy in general? Sure. Um, I have been doing comedy. I've been doing comedy now for over 20 years. Um, and I started, I was actually was a lawyer before I did stand up and I was not, it's not that I hated being a lawyer. It's that I just didn't love it. And I thought this is, I looked around at people who were in a job that no one looked really happy. There was nobody that I was like, oh my God, I want to be that person. You know how there's so many people in, at least in comedy where you're like, I could, I would love that career. I would love that person's career. I didn't have that about any lawyers, except for people like Supreme Court justices where like there really was no realistic path for me, you know? Um, yeah. And I was doing comedy for fun, like as an extracurricular, like I was taking improv classes and then I was clerking for a federal judge and that job ends at a certain time. And I actually was at a job and a, and a friend of mine was like, why wouldn't you just use this time to really pursue this? Like, you don't have any law school loans. You don't, like, I didn't have any, I had literally like New York City was a much cheaper place to live in at the time. Like I, my rent was really low. Like there was literally no reason for me to not explore it, except this sort of what will people think kind of thing, yeah. which is less so now because comedy, like there's a comedy column in the New York Times and, you know, people who are really educated do stand up and stuff like that. But it, it back then it really wasn't like that. It was literally like if I said I'm going to become a stripper. <laughs> and I was very like I was very self-conscious about it. And then I was uh, seeing a therapist and the therapist was like, why would you care what people would think? Which sounds so stupid. Like that. Why would like have a grown woman? Like, how could I not really, but it was very liberating to hear. And at that very same time, I tell the story of, I like, like I was doing an improv show and then somebody who was watching the improv show, um, cast me in this USA network. Now, by the way, USA network back then was like cable access. It was not, it was not the Meghan Markle <laughs> suits network. <laughs> and, um, and they cast me in this little, they, like a little short that they were doing. And I went for the day and they, you know, they did my makeup and they gave me a t-shirt that said USA Network and a granola bar and a $75 uh, paycheck. And I Ooh. literally thought I was in show business. <laughs> I was like walking on the street, like, oh my God, I'm a movie star. Like I really <laughs> thought I was famous. <laughs> and so I just kind of took the plunge and I just started, you know, I'm still working sort of part-time as a lawyer to pay the bills. Like, but I, um, but, and then, you know, it was a little, it was definitely a different landscape back then. There were 
not as many female comics, which in some ways was very helpful because I got representation right away. And I did a bunch of like my look back then was very good for commercials. So I was in a bunch of commercials. So that started to pay the bills. And then, you know, I had like some very good things happen for me. Like I went to the Aspen Comedy Festival, which was a big, I don't think it exists anymore, but it was a big comedy. It was like the Montreal Comedy Festival is the closest thing I could compare. We'll take your word for it. (laughs) And right. It was like back, you know, when when movies were in black and white. So then, um, and I ended up getting a development deal with HBO, like all this stuff. Um, And while all this is going on, I met the guy who was going to be my husband. And then I ended up having kids, which kind of (laughs) fucked everything up because I just, he had to take care of these kids. And so my career, which had been on a certain trajectory, went on a different trajectory. Now, it's not something I regret at all. Like, I'm glad I had a normal, like what I consider a normal life, like the sort of marriage and I know a lot of people would say like, oh, you can't say normal anymore, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, my husband was the one who had the, the high paying job and the health insurance. So the obvious thing was for me to be with the children. And so I did comedy, but not nearly as much. And co- there was nothing there weren't really a lot of moms who were doing comedy. Like people were literally like, I would go into a comedy club to be like, hi, mommy. Like, can you you know what I mean? Like, so weird. It was weird. And like my entire identity changed. And some of it was external the way other people treated me, but some of it was internal. Like the way I felt about myself, like I, was sort of like, oh my God, I have this new identity. I'm supposed to be a mom. And my standup, which had been, tell me if this is too long an answer, because this is a really long answer. No, it's great. Okay. So, um, so I, my standup back then had been very observational. Like I was obsessed with Seinfeld. That was like my template for standup was like Jerry Seinfeld. And my jokes, like if you, if I listen to my old jokes back from when I started, they have a little bit of a Seinfeld not like that sort of whiny whatever that he does, but it it has the same kind of distance from me and the joke. Um, And then when I had the kids, it was like, I didn't want to do those jokes anymore. They didn't, they weren't funny to me. I didn't think that they'd be funny. And I kind of re like started again. And my humor became really about my children and about my home life because you know, I always say like the best place to start with your joke is if you have an emotional reaction to something. And of course I was having an emotional reaction to something every single second when I had babies at home. So the, I really became a different kind of comic, but I wasn't, it was so different that I, it was almost like I was an open micer again. You know, it was like the time that I put in for stage time wasn't really the same person. It was like a different person as the only way that I could describe it. And, um, so there was, and I was kind of invisible, like it was weird. Now I was also a little postpartum depressed. Okay. And not enough to sort of be treated. Like I didn't like want to throw anyone down the stairs or anything, but it was that sort of numb feeling of like, oh my God, this kind of sucks. Like my life kind of sucks. And my husband was working really hard. He wasn't really home. 
And um, around that time, I started writing and I wrote a novel. Um, and, and I wrote a novel that I was really into. And it ended up getting uh, published. It took a while to get published because it just takes a long time for these, pe- these people to get their, you know, you know their schedules yeah. and stuff like that. And, yeah. and around that time, also, my kids started going to nursery school and I became friends with other people who had my life. And that's when my life changed. Like it was literally the first two weeks of nursery school, I was, a, I was no longer depressed. I met other people who literally were like, I hate my kid. Like, I, like nobody ever, I didn't know anybody with little kids. Like my good friends from like other areas like college and law school and law firms and high school and all that, like they either didn't have children or they had older children. So there was mm-hmm. nobody to really, and there were, and the comics who had kids, no one really talked about it. Even the women, like they just did not. It's a completely, it's so much better now. Like it's so much better for women now. And, um, and so that really freed me. And so the writing of the novel really helped. And also I was, you know, started teaching too, which, I discovered that I really enjoyed. I mean, initially I just did it. I was teaching kids when I first started. I was teaching kids, like even when I was kind of a newish comic, um, really just as a favor to somebody at Caroline's just to get some stage time. And then I ended up liking it, but I didn't really like the kids aspect of it. (laughs) And, um, And then I started teaching as a sub for... Corey Kahaney, who is now somebody I work with all the time. And I, and I worked with her a lot back then. And I discovered that I really liked it. So I started to do that too. So that's, that's sort of like the, that's like the summary of my career. I mean, there are other yeah. things in there, but that's like a totally long answer. I'm yeah, sorry. no, absolutely. No. So it's so great to hear. I think this is a great opportunity to ask you about sort of what, what life as a female comic looked like then and how you've seen that change. Cause I know that that's a big topic on a lot of people's minds right now is sort of yeah. the, like, like feminism within the comedy, like the comedy sphere. Um, and it's still, I mean, people still do talk about how it's, you know, there's a lot to still work on, like with feminism within the comedy scene. Um, yeah. But it sounds like it was so much worse back then. So could you talk a little bit on that? I'll tell you the one advantage is because if you were even remotely funny, you got, uh, you got a, you got an agent and a manager. I mean, that is the <laughs> one thing that was really great. I mean, and, and, and I, and I will say that like, um, but the downside is that the comedy world, like the comedy clubs um, mm-hmm. were horrific, horrific. Like I would go and there was no cell phone. Like literally you would have to go in and listen to guy after guy after guy do jokes about how the chick was fat and rape jokes and this one they would bring you up now we have a lady comic um you know uh some of you don't think ladies are funny this one's fun i mean it was just oh my god always and by the way there was sort of this thing and i actually was kind of part of it like you know you get it's like the you become part of the institutionalized misogyny so they were like 
You know, nobody wants to hear. And I, by the way, I did observational comedy. I never did. Part of the reason why I think I did observational comedy is I was trying to. I'm sorry about the dog. Because I was, I was trying to make my gender not an issue. So yeah. I was like, I didn't talk about myself. I didn't talk about boyfriends. I didn't talk about breakups. I didn't talk. About, the thing that you could never talk about as a female comic ever the kiss of death was your period. Like that was the thing that you made fun of. Like if a woman yeah. talked about her period. Now I still am kind of like, really do people need to hear about that? On the other hand, on the other hand, men talk about their dicks constantly now and then. Absolutely. And so there's yeah. like a huge double standard, a huge double standard about the way and. Like, you know, like the sort of the way people made fun of female comics, they'd be like, oh, I'm having my period and um, I'm looking for a boyfriend. Like they would be like, and then it, but, and then yeah. a guy would get up and he'd be like, my balls hurt and, you know, my, the chicks are fat. Do, do you know what I mean? And, so, yeah. and, and I feel like, there's a little bit of that. I mean, cause I see it in my classes. Like I just had somebody in a class, like literally the, the beginning of the class, I say, don't, you know, don't make bullying comments. And this guy yeah. gets up at like, it's the first class and he goes, you know what I hate? Fat chicks. Like he's, oh, no. I'm like, so old, you know, yeah. and, and I'm like, you know what, why? I, I'm like, if I also said, you know, if you're going to go in that direction, the joke's got to be like hilarious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you're going to, if it's worth it to you to be a douche, you right. got to make up for it by being that funny. Um, <laughs> so it's, it, that really was it. And I remember once there was a guy who he used to be the MC at the, at the Boston comedy club where my manager owned the Boston comedy club. And the, and part of the thing is like, you got to go on all the time. Like there was, that was the perk. Um, and they would call me up and they would give me a spot. Like they'd say, you're going on. And the, sh the club ran late. So it was like, you get on at like 1030 was like an early spot. Well, the guy who emceed didn't pay attention to the spot time. So he would oh, leave no. me there until like 1 a.m. Oh I, I thought he was so funny and I am a stay in your lane person. I was like, mm -hmm. sit and read my book. I was like, I know I'm a beginner. It's kind of cheating that I got this spot because I'm not good enough. Like I was definitely, I understood that it was a privilege, you know, but um, one time, you know, I said to him, it's, I said to him, you know, I think you're so funny. Like, you know, and I said something about when I, get better. I wanted to, and he, and he looked at me in the face and he goes, you'll never be funny. No. And oh my gosh. It was evil. Um, yeah. It was evil. Anyway. So he, this guy, we ended up having like kind of a truce at some point, but I remember he, he moved to London and he, I mean, he's not particularly successful. I mean, I would say I probably have had more success than he has like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I mean, unless there's something about London, the London scene that I don't know, you know, but, um, yeah. but on his going away party, I gave him a card that said, you were the first to discourage me. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. <laughs> um, no. And it's, and you know what somebody, and it's like, you know, things like that, they hurt, 
but they're kind of like, I notice a lot of comics have that sort of revengeful warrior personality. And it mm-hmm. actually was like a huge, it was like my reason for getting up in the morning sometime was like, <laughs> fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Cause like Absolutely. in the beginning when you're at sea and nobody's noticing you and you're not funny and you're trying to find the joke and everything, like sometimes you need an external motivator. And that guy was my motivator. <laughs> so <laughs> no, nah, there was no, you know, healthy feelings or anything like that back then. Like nobody had like yeah. thoughts. And, and the other thing is I feel like women are much better to each other now than they were back then. Um, and I think, you know, the reason why women weren't as kind back then is there really wasn't, you know, people say, oh, there's this like idea that, you know, there wasn't enough to go around. There wasn't enough to go around. Like mm-hmm. they would put one woman on a show, women. I mean, now women are sort of like, you know, we can produce our own shows like it's, but nobody <laughs> sort of figured that out back then. It was weird. It's, it's such a different time. It, it's interesting to hear like the pluses and minuses that there were weird mm-hmm. pluses, but also like things that are like it's good this has changed. Um, <laughs> and by the way, a lot of the comics back then, like I am a, I'm somebody who believes people can evolve, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of the comics back then would make misogynist joke after misogynist joke, anti-gay, anti-gay, misogynist, misogynist. Some, I'm sure, are just realize that they have to shut up like that they can't say this stuff even though they believe it which you know is better than nothing and but some of them I think really like I've noticed like just they're more sensitive now they're more open so I will say that I believe in in evolution of some sort yeah absolutely and like so speaking of evolution the segues pretty well into how do you think comedies changed with the pandemic with the world shutting down and really everything being forced to change. Right. Well, I think, listen, you know, it's not a great situation that we're in right now, but it's not Broadway, right? Like I'd rather be a comic during the pandemic than like I have, like it's none of my friends, but it's like friends of friends. They were about to make their debut on Broadway, like March 20th of last year. And then boom, everything closed, you know, and it's like, will they ever have that chance again? Um, Here there is there are options and the Zoom options are not as good, but they exist. (laughs) Like if you want to perform stand up in the pandemic, you can. Uh, It's not the same thing. It's not as funny, but, you know, as I say to people, you know, it's in some ways it's liberating. It's a little bit of like this, you know, if you're a beginner comic or if you're somebody who's been doing it for a long time, it's a little bit like this is the year that didn't count. And you can just mess around with material you would never have done. You know, I do a show, a variety show every month. And I do, I do a variety show with uh, Corey Kahaney and, and, and Cynthia Kaplan. And we've I did that show live, but on Zoom, it's become more like a sketch show. It's more like we do, you know, little sketches and polls and a game show aspect to it, um, which we didn't have before. And in some ways that's really fun. It's like, I'm producing a television show from the confines of my apartment. 
as opposed to sitting around like watching, you know, the vaccine information on TV and counting the days. Like, so I do think that there's you, there's a way to do stand up. And then I'm going to anticipate your next question, which is Karen, do you think that Zoom is here to stay Zoom comedy? (laughs) And my answer is yes, I do. I think there's like a lot of people who, I think there's a lot of people who, um, don't like to go to comedy clubs, especially people who come to see the show that I do, like they're older or they don't live in, like they don't live in a place near a comedy club. They don't want to be subjected to some of the language, you know, they just, it's, I don't even mean like the swear words. I think, I think it's like the tone. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's a little Uh harsh for some people and, um, and they would rather, they would rather, you know, just have the convenience of watching it at home at the, at the expense of it not being as exciting because it's not live. And so I do think both of those things, I think, you know, and, and so I urge people who are in standup to experiment on Zoom. Like, I think it's like a place where you could really do a lot of things that you would never do because there's really the stakes are so low. You know, yeah. nobody's, like they'll be like, well, it's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard on Zoom. Like you didn't get a laugh because it's hard yeah. on Zoom, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that that changes, like Zoom comedy changes kind of the landscape slash like future ambitions for people trying to make a career in comedy? Like, do you think there will be people who will be like fully Zoom comedians, fully online comedians? Like, do you think that affects, I don't know, people looking to yes. have a career in comedy? I think, I, well, I think it could be for people who want, you know, if you found if you've had success on Zoom in a way that you haven't in the clubs, um, yes. Um, on the other hand, there is nothing that is exciting like being yeah. in, a, in, a, in a comedy club. I mean, I, I've right. kind of forgotten what that feeling is, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna just go on, on like instinct that that's what it is. I mean, even, you know, I did a few of these like stand up New York did some shows last summer in the park and I did a bunch of them and they were fun, but you know, I really hate performing outside. Like to me, performing yeah. outside isn't really, <laughs> it's not really any better than performing on zoom, but, <laughs> but it was, it was something else. It was like another right. thing to do. Um, but I, you know, I have a feeling like I'm going to be a little nervous when I have to perform, I think I have something at a very social distanced benefit, like in April that I'm doing, I'm a little nervous about it. Like, just cause it's almost like, oh my God, can I still do this? You know, yeah. a little bit of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure you'll be great. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> no, you definitely you're gonna be will. <laughs> you're going to kill it. It's good to be. Thank you. I'm going to be present. Can I bring you as my comfort animal? Absolutely. We'll be your hype women Absolutely. right next to you the whole time. It'll be great. It's like, ooh. <laughs> um, speaking yeah. of people out in the wild, um, Karen, I know that not only has the world changed comedy wise, but things have actually gotten pretty controversial over uh, the name Karen. Yes. So, uh, how are you feeling about that? Okay, this is my thing. I, and somebody put it really well. <laughs> The other night to me, she said, there are Karens and there are people named Karen. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I can totally live with that because it's been very hard for me. Um, I feel very defensive. I feel angry and I can't say anything because that's Karen. Like that's a total Karen thing to be like, you can't do that. Let me talk to your boss, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it's also the thing, the thing is, I was trying to figure out why it bothered me so much at the beginning. And I think it's because it's like, there's so many women who have like these beautiful names that kind of give them like a foot in the door. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Karen is just not one of them. Like nobody ever said to me, what's your name? My name is Karen. What a beautiful name. Like that's conversation. <laughs> nobody's ever been like, I'm going to name my kid you know, I'm going to name my kid Karen. Like, I feel like my parents named me Karen because they thought they were going to have another boy, you know, and then they <laughs> panicked when they had a girl. So I just, you know, I, I have gotten better with it, with this whole definition of names and, and people, but I do feel like there's more people who are Amy and Jessica, people who are named Amy and Jessica, you're, com we're coming after you. <laughs> the army of Karens. Yes. Of the real Karens. Not the yes. Meme, not the meme form. Do you find that you have to be, you find that you have to be more like conscious about your actions because oh your name is Karen and they don't want you to call you a Karen. I lie. Like when I call, I, and the thing is, I love complaining too. Like, <laughs> so I was complaining, I think it was to Amazon, their customer server service. And I lied. I was like, my name's Melania. Like I literally, <laughs> I, you can't, it's real. I, and then I'm like, I do actually say, let me speak to the manager. Like, I don't say <laughs> it that way, but I say, is there somebody else I can talk to? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so I guess I am sort of guilty, but it's, it's not, it doesn't usually have like those crazy. It's not like I'm like that woman in central park who won You know what I mean? Like yeah. that woman yeah. was nuts. Um, but it's, you know, it's the feeling of, I guess it's like an hysterical woman, you know, it's an yeah. hysterical woman. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, my husband, my husband's like, what's a male Karen? I'm like, men. All of them. <laughs> They're all, and they have guns. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> um, anyway, we're, we're going to segue a little bit off of the Karen's topic, but we wanted to know, do you have any fun bombing experiences to talk about? Either I've, on Zoom, off of Zoom. Well, the bombing on Zoom, the bombing on Zoom is sort of fine. You know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> yeah. it's Zoom. You can claim it's because it's everyone's on mute or something. Because I think really the really good bombing stories, like my advice <laughs> for people is always like, don't be afraid to bomb. Like, don't ever worry that you might. And in fact, the late, great Vic Henley, who really, who he died at the beginning of COVID, we think not from COVID, but um, he, um, oh my God, he was just such a great comic. And I remember when I was first doing stand-up, I, I was at a bringer show and I had quite a few people in the audience, but I was toward the end of the show and I did very poorly and I was so embarrassed. And I'm sitting in the, in the, um, green room at uh, Catch a Rising Star. And, and he's like, why are you so down? And I said, well, I just bombed. It was so embarrassing. I'm humiliated. And he said, well, then get out of the business. And he Whoa. goes, uh, he goes, no. he said, I'm serious. He's like, that's going to happen to you a hundred more times. 
and you might as well get used to it. And if you don't think you can get, take it, leave the business. And I'm like, oh my God, it was like, so I will tell anybody that advice. Cause it's like, it's so like, as soon as it's not like there's this sort of mystery about it and it's right. just something that happens, it's kind of fun. Like it's not fun while it happens, but it's fun like three weeks later. So I, and, and, and the really bad ones, it's always like the higher the stakes, the worse it is. So bombing on, on zoom, there's no stakes, right. But bombing, right. you know, so I, I, one time, um, my very first sort of big bomb I remember was I was being auditioned for a show like a comedy show on MTV and it was at the comic strip. They put me on, on a Friday night at like 11 PM, very nerdy observational comic kind of act, which was totally not the right act for 11 PM at the comic strip. <laughs> and the guy who was like courting me manager, manager wise came to see me. He was the one who got me the audition and I got on um, the stage and the mic died <gasps> no, and no. I didn't have enough experience to even make fun of that <laughs> like <laughs> now I would have been like it would have been funny do you know what I mean I would have been like oh my god like you had you have like one job like, yeah. you know, like and you can't even get that right but like back then I was just like Oh, and so I was like, I'm going to pretend that it didn't die. So I was like, it was no. literally like I was mouthing my act and the people oh, no. in the audience were all just talking to each other. It was kind of like a Zoom show. And the people in the <laughs> audience were all just talking to each other. And then, you know, my time ended and I ran uh, and, and, and the, and the guy who, and he, he actually was my manager later, but he was new too. He was new to the company, newish, you know, maybe two years in. He didn't, it's like, if he had been around for a while, he would have said, oh my God, that's going to happen to you 20,000 more times. Um, but he ran away too. We both ran to our respective corners. Like, and I didn't leave my, <laughs> I didn't leave my house for three days. I was like, every, oh, like, no. you know, I told you, like, I thought I was famous after the USA network thing. Literally. I thought everybody in New York city knew <laughs> that I had bombed at this thing. Like I was so embarrassed. And then I just got my through, I forced myself to get back on stage at like an open mic and it was fine. And I was fine. And there were a few, like a bunch of, I, it happens to me a lot at big auditions. And I, it did happen to me once I flew myself out to LA for a big audition for something like a showcase. And again, they put me on, I was low, I was low status. And it was like Dane Cook. I mean, I think I was went followed Dane Cook, who was a very, very big comic. Probably. I don't even know if you guys know who he is, but he was a really, really big deal about I don't know, like 10 years ago, uh, he was sort of like the Sebastian Manasalco of like 10 years ago, like that, like everybody wanted to be Dane Cook. Um, and, and so he's on his rise at this point. And I bombed so badly again, it was horrible. And I actually had my LA friends were there and it was so embarrassing. And I was going to stay in LA for a few more days and I got a flight out the next day. I mean, I really, um, I'm just not good. <laughs> 
I'm not that tough is really the moral of this story. So, um, <laughs> but you know, what's funny that I, that's how I got my development deal from that show. Oh, wow. That's so incredible. You just, because the thing is they didn't, they were, they were just, they didn't care that I was bombing. It was like the type of stuff I was, you know, there's like yeah. the development deal. They're looking at the biography and the, you know, it's not, they weren't looking like to sell out a theater, you know, it yeah. might be different now, but back then that's not what it was. It was like, is this person have a sensibility mm. that we like, you know? Um, so I think, you know, you just never know. And then, by the way, there, and, and on the other side, there have been times where I've been at things where I've killed, it's been like the mm. most amazing night and literally nothing has come out of it. Do, do you know what I mean? Wow. So Yeah, for sure. Um, you know. Wow. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Like you're joking about how you're like, it's a story about how I'm not tough, but I think it shows how tough you really are. Cause there's been so many moments of people being like, you'll never be funny. And then yeah. you are, which is incredible. To close us out, is there anything that you want to promote? Um, you know, there's two things, I guess. I, um, I have, you guys, your listeners might be younger, but I um, have a podcast with Kyla Casio, who's another comic who you guys, I don't know if you know her, she's great. And she, um, it's called Shut Up Mommy's Talking and it's a parenting <laughs> podcast but we don't resolve anything. We literally just complain. It's fun. Like we, <laughs> we do it just to complain. <laughs> and then um, also if people are interested in this variety show that I do, the Ruthless Comedy Hour, we do it on Zoom once a month. Um, and you can follow me. I, you know, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, but I don't really use, I use Facebook a lot, which I know is like, nobody uses <laughs> that, but I like it. I think I like Facebook because I like the, I like the conversation aspect of it. I don't like Twitter. It feels so limiting to me yeah for sure well thank you so much for coming on our show thank you so much thank you for listening to laughing your mask off if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and leave a good review to keep up with our hosts follow katherine at katherine.reagan spelled r-e-a-g-a-n and carly at carly palestina on instagram see you next week <laughs>